What is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. It's that couch and your cat. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Now we're up to the latest hit by English singer Phil Collins. The Zingers. Whose husband are you, dog face? <laughs> Whose husband are you looking for? <laughs> and the self-indulgence. Chicks dig me. Because I rarely wear underwear. And when I do, it's usually something unusual. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Spearsy, I'm home! What are you Jesus doing? Christ, you scared the hell out of me! Don't dude, do that! Dude, what are you doing? Reading? What are you doing in bed? Let's watch some TV, drink a little crown! Woohoo! We're crazy! We're crazy 80s guys! Excuse me, but tomorrow we got the big interview with Rick Springfield. I need to study. What are you doing? Reading the book? What do you need to study for? I haven't done prep for a single Stuck in the 80s show, and I'm a genius! They love me out there in America! Give me this book. You see this book right here? Late, late at night, the Rick Springfield tell-all. You know what I'm gonna do with this book? Throw it out the window! And let me tell you all you need to know about Rick Springfield. You ready? Fine. He's Austrian. He's not Austrian. He's I Austri- wish I was Jesse's girl. Come on, he's it's Austrian. Gosh. He's Australian. Oh, all right. He was on Guiding Light. General Hospital. He played Frisco Jones on General Hospital. Frisco Jones, look at me. Noah Drake. He was on a Saturday morning cartoon show called Mission Magic. Uh, you actually got that one right. See? Let's go drink. Come on. The Goonies is on. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears, with TampaBay.com. And today, my friends, we talk to the one, the only, Rick Springfield. With me as always, I've done everything for him and he's done nothing for me. Pop music critic Sean Daly. Oh, you hurt me. You hurt my feelings, Rooms. Come on. It's a love affair now. Are you sick of my face? Are you sick of my handsome, chiseled face? Come here. Touch me. Touch it. Touch it. I don't want to touch anything on you, Daly. Come on. You might want to have that couch fumigated once I leave. (laughs) That'll be my going away present. Once I leave the lair and I go out on my own into this wilderness we call life. I'm gonna have your um your couch, leather couch, scrubbed and polished. De-dailyized. Here's my big question for you. You've been daily. <laughs> I'm hyper, baby. I'm jacked. Will you? Here's the big question everyone wants to know. Will you have been moved out in time to host uh, myself and uh, maybe some special friends? November thirteenth, St. Petersburg, Vinoy Park, to see the one and only Rick Springfield in concert. Yikes. When's that? That's coming up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm so comfortable in the lair. We have our little rituals. We get up in the morning, click, click, turn the TV. Come on. You're going to miss the rituals. You're going to miss my smiling face. I bring joy. I bring joy to that apartment. And see your Your apartment is like some dark, dank David Fincher movie. And you know what I am, baby? I'm Mary Poppins. I'm Shawnee Poppins. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I bring happiness and light to the Spears Lair. But you know what? You want the Spears Lair to be gloomy like James Gum's pit in Silence of the Lambs. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. I'm your lotion. <laughs> no. Anyway, yes, Rick Springfield is coming, and today Stephen Q. Spears uh, talks to him. Not Sean Daly. Not Sean Daly. Why? Due to circumstances that were beyond my control and me um, interviewing somebody from American Idol. <laughs> yeah, funny, funny. Uh, I could not join you in this interview, but like your Howard Jones interview, I hear this one is masterful. However, I've read the transcripts of this Rick Springfield interview, and it is shocking in its kiss assery by Aww. Steve. Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> do it, do it. <laughs> no, you kiss so much Rick Springfield ass. It's almost. I sent you a letter, didn't I? Uh, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I love you like a uh, like a bro, but seriously, pull your head out of Springfield's rear end. If there's someone from the 80s whose rear end you're going to be in. Dude, you, every question, every question you preface with, we all know that you're better than <laughs> Lennon McCartney. We all know that Jesse's girl is better than yesterday. However, and then you ask some sort of non sequitur. Really? This book's amazing. Pulitzer. <laughs> I sent Pulitzer. Maybe Nobel Peace Prize. No. You know the real reason? <laughs> oh, no, that was ridiculous. Pulitzer, maybe. Really. You kissed so much Springfield ass. And you know what? 80s Nation, oh, let me rub it for you, Spears. He's so good. You're the new Mike Wallace. People are going to, really, it's so shocking. You know, I wasn't going to do this to you, but now you leave me no choice. The real reason why you didn't do the interview, first of all, it was only 15 minutes, so you would have only gotten in one question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. The 80s, um, deserve, the 80s Nation deserves better, my friend. They deserve you know more get, than one question. You know what? You you were a, you were you were a genius in your Howard Jones interview. I'm sure you're a genius, no, kiss ass genius. I'm sort of like you know, Encyclopedia Brown. You know, but kid like <laughs> you found him to be um, surprisingly pessimistic. Oh yeah, he's like me, Spearsy and Springfield. <laughs> it's the new sitcom. Hello? He should be your new roommate. Oh my god. Um, and you fa he said he's a glass half empty sort of bloke. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um, he talked about being, um, as a young man, having self esteem issues. Oh, yeah. Considered himself uglier than a female, uh, female baboon's ass, as I think. Oh, my God. How he put Shocking. it. Yeah. Shocking. I think all baboons. If you look asses, at, back at photos of him back in those days, I mean, he, he, he's a still a great looking guy. I think, and what he says later in the book is when he gets to America, he realizes that for some reason, people in America just go crazy for Australian dudes. Austrian dudes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to kill you now. Oh, our skits. They're so, really yeah. award winners now, those I skits. I know. Once they? upon a time, they were crafted with the precision of Shakespeare. Now, it's more like Jackass 3D. I love Jackass 3D. Yeah, so I'm sorry to do too. Anyway, 
Um, so, hey, without further ado, yes, we have, uh, you're about to talk to Rick Springfield about his appearance November 13th in downtown St. Petersburg at the Rib Fest, but also his brand new tell-all, Late, Late at Night, which is uh, causing quite a stir. Yeah, especially for, there's this one section, and we don't go into a whole lot of detail on it, but it's about Vietnam. And uh, Rick Springfield went to Vietnam in 1968. He was only 17 years old. He signed on for what he thought was like a USO tour type of uh, a gig. It wasn't. He was put out there in the fire bases with the frontline troops and was doing little shows while you know mortar shells came flying in at the stage. Wow. And he talks in particular about one night where um, under enemy fire, he was actually forced to man the mortar and drop shells into it and fire at the enemy only to find out the next morning that indeed some of his shells had found their target and he had So killed. he was just screwing around having fun. No, no, he was you know fighting for his life but was very disturbed the next morning to find out that yeah, he did kill an enemy soldier. And he wow. says it's it's a it's a, a thought that sickens him to this day. And um And that's in the book. It's in the book and as much as I tried to drag it out of him in the interview it was clear he didn't really want to go there again. Wow. And I don't this blame is dark. him. You guys are perfect for each other. Yeah. Um, well, without further ado, shall we get to the Steve Spears, Rick Springfield interview? Hello. Hey, Rick. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks. How are you guys? I, uh, I don't know if you remember. I interviewed you probably four years ago down in Clearwater at... Ruth Eckerd Hall, you were doing a show with um, Eddie Money and Loverboy. And we yeah, t- yeah, sure. I remember that. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, you're the first person we've ever interviewed twice on our podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good thing? I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. <laughs> I think if there's anybody we should interview twice, it should be you. I'm with that. Yeah. Hey, I just I spent the entire week reading uh, Late, Late at Night. And it's an incredible. It's so incredibly addictive. Oh, great. Thank you for that. I, I always appreciate it when someone's actually read it. I just did a couple of interviews some guys and they had no idea what it was about <laughs> and they assume it's about you know drugs and you know it's pretty funny but yeah. i appreciate you reading it no i mean it's it's funny i'll go back and reread chapters over and over again the one about um your trip to vietnam and uh firing yeah. off mortar shells for some reason I, I continually gravitate back towards that one it's just yeah 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 I was uh, intense. A lot of and and it surprised it surprised even hardcore fans. There's so much in there that they didn't know. Yeah, I, that's a good question. I mean, why is it that so many of your fans probably have have a real bubblegum image of of who you are? Um, I think it's what you know was the the initial uh, onslaught was 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 a happy shiny guy, you know, and uh, a lot of the hardcore fans know this. You know they've they've listened to the later albums and they know there's more going on because all my songs are written from a dark place. I mean, even Jesse's Girl is a, a relationship that I couldn't couldn't make happen. You know, but um, the one, certainly you know fans that have listened to the albums know this. There, there's something more going on, but but, a lot, but this surprised a lot of people just because of the depth that I went into. You know, I, I wrote it without a ghostwriter, so I have no one to blame but myself. But I thought. You told the truth in an autobiography. <laughs> Apparently, that's not always the case. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was, I was kind of curious. I mean, I know you didn't do it with a ghostwriter. I wonder, though, um, how would the book have, how, how would the story of your life read differently had it been sort of an authorized biography versus uh, penning it yourself? Oh, I think it would have been very, very different. I think, uh, certainly, and, and I was you know, concerned about it, them using a ghostwriter, too, because I knew it would be a different. Uh, a different voice, you know. Whenever anyone, and, and 
whenever anybody uh, uh, writes about something and they don't know it, they're just kind of being told it. It just becomes like a, like a school report, you know? Sure. And I've, I've read a couple of them, and uh, a lot of them are just, you know, and then this happened, and then, then this happened, and then this shocking thing happened, and, and it's kind of like uh, a list. Uh, you know, there's some emotion in there, depending on the the, 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 the strength of the writer, but uh, it certainly would have been a very different book for me. The um, The thing that strikes me is that even in the darkest moments of the book where you're telling some some truly disturbing tales, there's still that sense of humor about it all. You'll reveal something dark, but then you'll sort of follow it up with a a joke of, so, of sorts. Well, a self-depreciating, uh, deprecating remark probably more. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's, it's something like that. Yeah, I, 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 I have tried to do that. You know, I mean, that's just the way I am naturally. Um, I wouldn't say I'm positive. In fact, I'd say I'm, I'm a glass half-empty kind of guy a lot of the time. But uh, um, I, I write with a sense of humor, and and because I can be free, you know, I don't have. Uh, it's like songwriting; you don't have someone looking over your shoulder, going, "Hmm, I don't think so." So that's a great thing about writing, and and, and you, when you just do it yourself, it's just you and uh, and whoever you commune with. To, and I believe there is more to it than just a guy sitting down putting pen to paper. Tell me, tell me that you held back on some stories, though. I mean, certainly you didn't tell us everything. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> is there? So it's been out a week now or so, is, and you certainly have gotten feedback and reaction from family and friends. I'm just kind of curious, is there anything now that you second-guess and wish you hadn't put in there? No, not really, because I was concerned about my wife. You know, that was my main concern, that, that she be viewed appropriately and not, you know, with all the sexual stuff, not uh, viewed as someone who was weak and kind of swept things under the carpet just to stay together. She's a strong woman, and hit, hit, we hit it head-on. We hit all the issues head-on when they happened and dealt with them. And we finally decided that, that you know, we're, we're better together than we are apart, and we want to be together. And I actually got a fan letter the other day, which was really great. It said, uh, I just finished reading your book, and I, I don't know who's more awesome, you or Barbara, your wife. Yeah. So that was what I, that's that's how I wanted it. I wanted it to read like a love story, our, our section of the book, our part of the book, and uh, and it does, and that's great. I'm very I I had great concerns about that originally, and and I'm happy that uh, it's now being you know it, it it has a full view of our relationship. It doesn't have salacious details and then just leave them hanging. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you do talk about sex a lot, but it, you don't go into extreme detail. Uh, but it made me kind of wonder this morning, what, was there ever a point when you were growing up where your parents sat you down and sort of gave you the, the birds and the bees talk? No, not really. It's, uh, my mom was raised with, by Victorian English parents, and uh, my dad was away a lot. So, you know, <laughs> not, a lot, not a lot going on there with the, uh, the help of that sex. I think my, this thing my mom did, the only thing my mom did was give me a book when I was about 11 and said... Uh, you know, the facts said the facts of life. She said, if there's any questions, just come and see me. And I was like, in a page into it, and I went to her and said, what's, what, what's erect mean? And she said, go ask your father. <laughs> so that was pretty much it. <laughs> uh, end of discussion, I guarantee you, yeah. Yeah. Uh, towards the end of the book, you talk about um, your recent appearances on Californication. And uh, I'm a huge fan of the series. I enjoyed every show that you appeared on. It seemed to me kind of obvious that you really enjoyed being part of it. And I'm wondering, how is acting on that show different than 
you know, your appearances on General Hospital? Oh, like yours. It's, uh, first of all, the writing's really great. Second of all, you know, you're working with really great, all, all really great caliber actors. I mean, there's some great actors on the soaps, but, but uh, it, it, for me, doing the soaps was, a, was a, more about line memorization and acting chops for me. I'm not so for everybody else, but there's so much to remember in such a short time. And I was, you know, everyone's always struggling to remember all the lines. Whereas with the, you know, a show like, because you've got to do an hour a day. It's, it's, it's the hardest gig in acting. Uh, but we show that Californication, you know, you got a week to shoot half an hour. So it's, uh, you get time to really work on the character. And it was a uh, very, very, it's a very different experience. And, and movies is different again, you know, where you get, 16 weeks to, to do 90 minutes. So it's, it's the more time you have to spend on it, generally, the, the, the better the better it is. Right. And the deeper you get into the character. Four years ago when we talked, we, we talked a lot about the movie Hard to Hold. And, um, but what I didn't know and what your book told me was about the same time you committed to that, you had been approached by the producers of the movie The Right Stuff that mm-hmm. were uh, interested in you playing one of the astronauts. That That's incredible. Right. Yeah, because I... Uh, uh, unfortunately, I think my ego took over at that point. I did have a bit of a battle with a, an overblown ego for a short while. It didn't last very long, and uh, thankfully. But, but uh, you know, I thought, hey, I'm at this point now. I, I'll do my own movie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good, hard lesson to learn that, uh, that, that you know, I, I, a lot of the things, a lot of the reason I put a lot of the stuff in the book that, that are kind of, Again, self-deprecating is because it's. I learned lessons from them. You know, I I, I made a step, made a, I made a step forward. That's why I don't regret anything. Yeah, most things anyway. <laughs> I don't regret most things. <laughs> there's there's one thing I regret, and that's the, I'm going to miss the Rick Springfield cruise again this year. Um, every year that you do this, I ask my boss to send me along. You know, for journalistic purposes only. And every year she says no, including today. I asked again. What am I missing out on exactly? It, it's the most fun we have all year. It's incredible. It's a, it's a, we're, we're leaving from Miami on the 15th of November, and we're going to the Bahamas for a sail around the Bahamas for a week. And it's a, it's a, a guilt-free drinking, partying, playing, you know, week. It's amazing. It's a, we, uh, Kevin Cronin from Ariel Speedwagon's uh, musical guest, and we have a, a, a soap acting friends, you know, that'll be, come on to represent the acting side, and uh, Mark Goodman, MTV VJ is the host, and we, we, you know, Kevin and I will be doing stuff together, and, 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 and with, with this question-answer session, we'll be doing a thing on the book, uh, we, I do songs that I've never played before, you know, fan requests, they, they call in on a website to request songs they've never heard me play before, and uh, we end up on the beach, and we do a, a beach a show, and then we all go swimming, and it's great. <laughs> Speaking of the fans, I'm sure you have at least one great story about some wild thing that a fan has done on one of these cruises to get a little bit of extra face time with you. Um, on the cruise, they're, they're, they're pretty cool, because uh, a, lo- a lot of them, have, uh, you know, they're aware that if it gets too silly, that uh, it'll get shut down kind of thing, you know. And, and that's what that's the same thing with me going out in the audience now in, in, during a show. Occasionally, you'll get the one that'll try and pull you down, but most of the time everyone knows if you go down, the show's over, so it's the same kind of thing on the cruise. Um, everyone's pretty respectful, and uh, occasionally, you know, you get a bit too much alcohol, and uh, <laughs> 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 uh, 
get in your face, but most of the time it's really great. Yeah. Hey, also, I also wanted to say I look forward to seeing you. I know you're playing a gig here in St. Petersburg before the cruise. It's at Ribfest. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll God, be... We're going to be... We're going to be out a week before the cruise. I've never done this before because the cruise is so full on. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, though. I I love Florida. I have a special place in my heart for Florida. Yeah, they love you here. I'll be the the guy, like, in the middle of the crowd uh, who's going nuts when you start playing. You better love somebody. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. So there you go. I have a new nickname for you. Morley Safer. You're a Come genius. I don't even, you know what? I shouldn't even be around for interviews anymore. You, hit, you mm-hmm. hit your spots, man. In 11 minutes, you made interview magic. And his ass is really shiny now <laughs> from you rubbing it Thanks. so much with your nose. Um, I was really kind of thrilled when he said he remembered us from four years ago. Yes, four years ago, we were in our infancy, our stuck in the A's infancy, and we interviewed me, you, and Kathy Wass, Kathy Wass um, at uh, Ruth Eckerd Hall. Backstage, and that's where I I want I entered the Guinness Book of World's Record Guinness Book of World Records for the longest interview question seven minutes. I it was not seven minutes. I t- timed it. <laughs> His guns were so majestic. The guy's got the guy works out. Yeah, was he sixty one now? 61. He's got cannons. Um, but this is a far far better interview in two thousand ten. Good job, my friend. He gets the honor of being the first one we've interviewed twice. That is quite. Oh quite no. An honor. <gasps> Martha Quinn. Martha Quinn. Ah-ha. Well, Martha Quinn's like a friend. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like me interviewing you. <laughs> That'd be dark. Yeah. That wouldn't be dark at all. Just being to- totally false. So, so anyway, yeah, we all know the surface things about Rick Springfield, but right. this is a little deeper. You know, the, in the right. book, go out and get the book. You love it. You say, you told me one night I really did come home to the lair and I wanted to have fun and be frisky and playful. And you're like, dude, I can't put this book down. You love it. And you said he wrote it himself, no ghostwriter, and it's just, it's explicit and it's details about the dark, tumultuous life of Richard Springthorpe. Yeah. He uh, talks about his more than you do. And I mean, <laughs> you talk you, about your schwants all the time. Uh, to, no, you mean you talk about Rick Springfield's schwants all the time. <laughs> no, he does a lot. And, and if, you, if you really, I don't think he holds anything back. And he says in the interview, he doesn't hold anything back. It's a great book. It's worth reading. And there is this eerie, pattern to it where he goes into this dark corner and then laughs himself out of it and it happens over and over again and it feels by the time you're done it feels like a roller coaster and you need to go back and reread passages that you just wow so you, you highly know. recommend lately oh yeah night by it's, it's on the bestseller list already after one week bing you know what it makes me in the mood for though what the, the seggies Ah, by the sound of the tone, it must be time for Reader Mailbag. Even though my performance in this podcast is dragging a little bit, I have prepared a slew of emails that Sean has never seen before that will perk him up, that will upset him, and that will make him really? laugh. I'll be perky and upset. Yeah. Awesome. I have never seen these before. Let the Sean Daly Show commence. Okay, we have four letters in today's uh, Reader Ball Bag, and the first one is from Sichelle. Mm-hmm. Sichelle. Hi, Sean and Steve. It's Sichelle from Ontario. 
So sorry, I'm so late to jump on the feel bad for you and send you hugs bandwagon, Sean. It almost <laughs> it almost makes me regret telling you about your fat sounding voice a few weeks ago. Do I have a fat sounding voice? Do I sound <laughs> fat sounding? Um, I don't quite understand marriage. <laughs> But if you and your lady are happier apart, it will probably work out well for the kids, who won't have to see you two in fisticuffs, though I'm not implying spousal abuse. Thank you. I can guarantee that in the future they'll be grateful if they had a mommy and daddy who cared about them. I won't say anything more because it's mad awkward that I know so much about you. Stuck in class and stuck in the 80s to shell. Very nice. Fat sounding. <laughs> I'm done to 203 these days, baby. I'm 203. Yeah. Done to 403. It's, it's, <laughs> it's stress. I saw you butterball naked. The other day, butterball naked, uh, and I thought you looked pretty good. I can see why women like you, you know? A big teddy bear. You're a teddy bear, and you're barrel-chested. You're barrel-chested. I don't have that barrel thing. I look, I'm, like, I'm like, I look like a typical male from like the 1920s that you'd see on Atlantic Beach and like in a big one-piece. You know, it's like a, a little villainous mustache. You know, like, ho, ho, ho. let's go down for a sarsaparilla. Yeah, yeah. But I can see where girls like you. You're a big teddy bear, and you're like, you're like a lumberjack. But I'm like two, two, two bills right now, 200, and I'm flabby. I got, you know what's I, I, really freaky is, um, and people don't know this because we don't talk about it a lot, but you know, with Sean and I, we walk around the building, we go to lunch and stuff like that. Uh, almost every time when you walk away, someone will say, boy, that Sean Daly's lost a lot of weight. Yeah, but it's like they say it in a way like, one, I'm dying. Yeah, like two, what's wrong there, with there's you? There's some suspicious reason why. Yeah. yeah. I don't think Drugs. I'm... <laughs> 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 All right, let's move on. Uh, the next one's from Tremolo Man. Tremolo Man, who says, Hello, Steve and Sean. I want to thank you both for all the wonderful podcasts you've provided us with. In February 2010, I lost my job of the last 12 years and was unemployed for eight months. I was a lost, tortured soul and was suffering from serious depression and confidence issues. I gained weight and felt a little or no self-worth while trying desperately to find a job. Each day just got darker after having door after door slammed in my face and being subjected to rejection on a daily basis. The harder I looked for a job, the worse things seemed to get. In June, I stumbled across your Stuck in the 80s page. I listened to an episode and it immediately, it immediately cheered me up. I then proceeded, like many, to download all your podcasts and became addicted to your show. I then decided I was going to turn my life around. I began walking two miles a day listening to your podcast. A week later, three miles, then four, until I reached five miles a day listening to nothing but Stuck in the 80s. Your humor, camaraderie, and reminiscing of the decade I'd hold dearly to my heart put me in a positive mood and made me realize it wasn't the end of the world after all. Since June, I've lost 26 pounds. Congratulations, Tremolo Man. And recently found a job which I begin in October and love working at. I just wanted to drop you a line to inform you how therapeutic and beneficial I found your podcast can be. Keep up the great work, and I hope things turn around for both of you and your love lives. Best regards, Tremolo Man. Wow. Wow, thank you for being so candid uh, and hopeful, Tremolo Man. That's very, very nice. That's it's hard, it's hard to believe that stuck in the 80s is a part of any approved dietitian for <laughs> weight loss. It really should be the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. I think it's because we're such disasters. Yeah. That people feel like if they're in such a uh, hole, <laughs> uh, I can pull myself out. Oh, I'm doing much better in these 80s, guys. What am I sad for? Steve and Sean are a disaster. We're all out of love, aren't we? We're so lost without you. I don't know. Um, the next letter is from Mick in Sydney, one of our uh, favorite listeners. Mick in Sydney. He's, pr- he's really probably really mad about the Austrian comment. 
You'll get over it. Yeah. Uh, just finished listening to podcast 214, and I just want to say that I'm really sorry to hear about Sean's woes. Hope that everything works out for the best in the end, mate, and all the best. On the other hand, it really sounds like Spearsy enjoys your company, as I can really hear a bit more joy in his voice. Can it just be that he's happy to have a buddy around, or just that he's secretly happy that Chuckle Guts is having a bit of a relationship downtime, like he keeps joking Spearsy about? Wow. Mm. Wow. Chuckle Guts. I love that. Is that me, Chuckle Guts? Whatever the case, <clears throat> I'm sure we'll get some good stories coming up in future podcasts. Yeah, that's for sure. If we don't get arrested. <laughs> Uh, all the best guys. And where's Kathy? Is she the mystery woman that Sean refers to in podcast two fifteen? No. Oh, that was the mystery woman no. in Spearsy's Kathy bedroom. Would be, Kathy would be extremely upset if, for one second, anybody thought that she was the mystery girl in uh, two fifteen. So she's not. I think by saying that you're secretly implying that it was in fact <laughs> Kathy. No, I can't be any more clear. Wink, wink. When you bound it out of there like the Kool Aid guy, the naked Kool Aid guy. It's a new. It's um, my new website address. Yeah. Uh, it's a new Kool Aid flavor. Animated gifts. Are What's a, a new? Hard what would take. that be? Spearsy strawberry or sour Spearsy? It's a new Kool Aid flavor. Oh, really? Ew. Uh, Salty Spearsy. Oh come Ew. on. Have a little class. It's just a. <laughs> you love it when I'm. No, I classless. Secretly, it bothers me a lot. Oh, our final letter is from Cloister Maximus in Portland, Oregon. And Cloister Maximus says, "Gentlemen." This morning, I was working and listening to the Talking Heads 1983 classic, Speaking in Tongues. When I reached the end of the song, I get wild, wild gravity, and disturbingly heard Steve Spears dry heaving in my ear once again. It seems that Sean was not the first person to be awoken to the horrors <laughs> of Spearsy attempting to swallow pills, as David Byrne also does a spot-on imitation of the gag reflex at about 4.38 in the aforementioned song. Here, uh, Steve... Play a snippet of it real quick. Here's, here's, here's the snippet that he's yeah, referring here's to. Here's Talking Heads, I Get Wild, Wild Gravity. So there's the song. Shall we do a comparison to the actual Spearsy dry heaving sound? I taped it this morning. Are you ready? I taped it without you knowing so we could play it for everybody. Here we go. Let me hit the tape record. <laughs> It's worse every time. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think if I could do it myself. What would it sound you're like? You're a tremendous power. <laughs> it's you have no, to get no, that. No, that's like, not it. No, no. It's more of a seizure. That was more like you trying to poop. Oh, what is it with you and Classy today? Are you dating a new woman? Like, and, and she's like, you know, I'll, I I'd love you more if you class up the show a bit. No, nobody wants me to class up this show. I, wait, and nobody wants Maximus to date me. Is so not, what's that one? Oh, jeez, here we go. <laughs> Hi, Spearsy. I'll date you. Hee-hee. <laughs> uh, Cloyster finishes up. I think Stuck in the 80s listeners will also agree with me that, like all things, the talking heads did it first. Uh, very, very true. Uh, Cloyster Maximus, Portland, Oregon, eternally and gratefully stuck in the 80s. Remember, you can send any emails to us at stuckinthe80s at tampabay.com. What's happening, hot stuff? Ah, by the sound of the gong, it must be time for mystery movie moment. And this week, I have pulled out a gem, one that Sean will recognize easily from our nights on the leather couch at the lair. This is true, actually. Very true. Are you ready? Yes. Here is last week's mystery clip. There was a difference of opinion concerning a gooseberry pie. The man left it sitting on his windowsill. What did he expect? 
perhaps expected to eat it. That's Crow, my friends. <laughs> and tell them what we did the other night. We watched Crow. How how much? About twenty five minutes. Out. And who wanted to keep watching? Sean Daly did. And who didn't? And who didn't? Me. And you're like, I'm not really feeling Crawl right now. What did we end up watching that night? I think we just turned on Conan again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried to find the naked witch part. Um, yes, we had a lot of people. Actually, not a lot. Of, uh, I'm surprised. Uh, we had six people who knew that Crawl was the correct answer to Mystery Movie Moment. And those people are Pinhead, Kevin Wench, Eddie Van Heflin, Circus Peanuts, Dinky, and... The lovely and here suit, Ryan in Kansas. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Punctuality is a virtue, my good madam. Let's chew the fat. If you know it, email us at stuckinedies.tempe.com. And then tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. The mystical refrain that is name that 80s tune. We will play a snippet of a song from the 80s. And if you get it right, I'm feeling kind of squirrely. We might send out some uh, band stickers this week. Shut up. Put your Shut addresses up. Put your addresses <laughs> on the emails, though. <gasps> really? Look Don't at you. You ask. might mean it this Don't time. Don't ask. You ready? Yeah. Pay attention. Here was last week's mystery tune. <laughs> Am I psychic or what? The Human Touch by Rick Springfield. We You had no idea. I had a pretty good idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had lots of people who know uh, Human Touch. Is that from um, Hard to Hold soundtrack? No, I think it's before that. I don't know. Hard Bass note will correct <laughs> me. God forbid you make a mistake about Springfield. Bass note will be on you. <laughs> you know, the whole past of Hard to Hold has come back at me again because the girl that I dated, uh, the girl that I took to that movie back in 84, I went to prom with. And I should have asked her friend, Anita. Ooh, Anita. Yeah, and I was too shy and not confident enough. But I mean, Anita was like the, a really, really good friend, and I wanted to be more than friends. But I just, I just couldn't go there. And so instead of taking Anita to the movie and the prom and spending, in, you know, living happily ever after, right. I take Audra. You know, a bad sign because I would marry a future Audra. Oh, really? This wasn't the Audra. No, not the Audra. And uh, sure enough, boom. Disaster. You know, it's interesting. Do you think that we, we have moments in our life where it's like the choose your own adventure books? Remember those? And do you think there are moments in your life that if you would have chose differently, yeah. it would all have been different? Or, you know. Fate is, is fate just fate? Is there somebody that, you know, you would have been perfect with, happy with? Had I. Maybe a, a flirtation in Macy's, you know? Work with me Macy's. on this. And if you would have asked her out. But yeah. instead, you let her go. Yeah. Well, that's what tortures me. You know, everyone says, and Springfield says in an interview where he talks about, I don't have regrets. You know, I've, I've faced my regrets. I've tackled them. So I don't have regrets anymore, or, or for the most part. I, I'm not that way. I, I have regrets that, you know, fill closets. <laughs> and to some extent, Stuck in the 80s was like my attempt to sort of 
you know, clear them out. Clean out your closet. Yeah, talk about them. Let them dance. Them. Let the skeletons yeah, dance. But it, to be honest, I don't know that it's worked all that well. Hey, the man who I'll... lives alone with his cat. Ah, and his best buddy Shanzi. Yeah. When he's well, there. you know, I'll, I'll titillate the uh, the listeners out there by saying that there is one woman from your past and maybe your present who I think you'd be perfect for, and you know who I'm thinking of. Shut up! Don't say it. Don't say it. There's one woman who I say over and over again, that is your soulmate, and yet you are so stubborn, Stephen Q. Spears. You're so stubborn, you refuse to, to, to reach out and, and engage in the human touch, just like your new best friend Rick Springfield says. We all need the human touch. We all need it. Reach out. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. All right, we had Please. winners. Did I read these winners yet? No. Our winners are Rick Blanketron White in Texas. Didn't you tell the people no more nicknames? But then you said they could still do it. Oh, all right. Blanketron, you're fine. Rick Blanketron White in Texas. Tina Curtos from the state you hate. Alex, I still waiting for the sticks. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, I still waiting for the sticks. Kilroy was here. Podcast Cardoso Solis from Tijuana. Chad Ledoux. A Rod. Call sign Viper. And Terry in Seattle, who writes, I totally know this song. It's Human Touch by Rick Springfield. I literally haven't heard this song in decades, and the clip you played tormented me for an hour until my aging brain finally clamped down on it. So, yeah, I've listened to every podcast to date, and I'm only just now caught up to the point of actually being able to participate. So I hope to soon convert from lurker status to actually participating in the podcast more often. I really like the direction you guys have taken the podcast since, in, since its inception, so keep up the good work. And Steve, I want to take this opportunity to thank you for posting about the Gary Newman tour back in June. Thanks to your post, I was able to secure VIP tickets to his concert here in Seattle. Not only did I witness an incredible concert, I had high expectations and the band exceeded them in a big way, but I was also able to meet Gary and share a few laughs with him after soundcheck. It's interesting that one rarely sees a photo of him smiling, and his professional persona has always seemed to be one of cold detachment. But he was one of the nicest, most genuine people I have ever met, legendary music pioneer status notwithstanding. So thanks for the heads up, Spearsy. You helped me check this awesome, awesome experience off my bucket list. Anyway, keep up the great work, guys. I look, to, look forward to more stories from the Spears Lair. Terry in Seattle, a.k.a. the voice of reason. It's nice. Very nice. I didn't get a chance to see Newman. He came through, but he came through Orlando, which is about two hours away. And just what? I'm too lazy, basically, is what I'm saying. My whole life is just basically. I wonder what he closes with. Stop it. (gasps) Oh, (sighs) you're such an apologist. Did you just throw something at me? Yeah. Oh, stop it. He's got a bounty of hits. (laughs) (laughs) How about PPTMN? We're going to play that game? Yeah, ready? P-P-T-M-N. Here's this specific question. Why does Daily suck? Ah, he's a jerk. you There's no PPTMN question. S. Spears. <laughs> oh, is that dead? Is that PPTMN dead forever? We haven't got one in a while. You know what? Oh, God, it was such a great segment. But no, you know what? Let's go backwards on this show. This, <laughs> Stuckney is in retrograde. Fine. You know, it'll be dead by in three shows. <laughs> dead. <laughs> All right. You know when you're... Uh, in your harumph to get to PPTMN, you know what we missed? What? This week's uh, mystery challenge. Are you oh, ready? No one gives a shit. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. If you know it, email us at stuckinasiatempe.com and include a PPTMN if you want your name mentioned. Yes, on the next show. you brilliant son of a bitch. If you're not ready to give up on mullets in Madonna, log on to Stuck in the 80s, just one of the many blogs you'll find at TampaBay.com, the website of the St. Petersburg Times. Relive the music, movies, and culture of the greatest decade ever, only at TampaBay.com. Jesse is a friend. Yeah, I know he's been a good friend of mine. Hey, this is Mark in East Texas giving everybody a big howdy. I'm proud to say I've got two teenage sons that would rather listen to Duran Duran than Lady Gaga. I'm father of the year. So while the rest of East Texas is stuck in the 50s, me and my family will always be stuck in the 80s. So, Steve, you're the king of backstage, <laughs> or at least getting backstage to meet your idols, your heroes, yeah. your icons. Um, is, did Rick invite you to come back and stroke his uh, pythons? <laughs> Between the king of backstage and, and going back to stroke his pythons. Uh, I don't know where you're going with that one. Uh, no, he's playing at Ribfest. I don't know. Ribfest isn't like, I don't even know what kind of backstage there is there. I don't you, like, probably be in line like, with him getting some uh, short ribs. I know he's probably they probably back an RV up to the stage and say, <laughs> you know, knock on the door and say, you know, your turn, uh, Maplethorpe, right. take the stage. <laughs> uh, oh man! No, well, you know I've seen him twice in concert now, and uh, once was when you and I sat next to each awesome. other. He was awesome. He was great. Um, I saw him a few years after that again, same venue, Ruth Eckerd Hall. Um, was he as good? Then just as time? good, just as good. Did he still do that thing where he walks out into the audience, yep. but yep. like he's like jumping on chairs and? Oh yeah, I su- I suspect he'll come out into the audience at Ribfest and you'll get a chance to grope him if you want. Yeah, um, but it's like he said, people don't take too much advantage of it because they know you know you get out of control. The fun. So no one goes for his uh, his naughty, naughty bits. bits. No, beat you to that one. No, um, it's a great show. You forget the guy had seventeen top forty hits. Did he really? 17. No, no, no. I wrote something the other day about him where I said you'd be surprised how deep his... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a very deep his, catalog. The, catalog. Show is, the show is nonstop hits. I'm sure he'll play a couple tunes off the new album, which is great. Of course it is, Steve. Hey. The new album is always great. No, I would You're say. the best. Hey, listen, Rick, I'm not kidding when I say that your new album is better than Abbey Road. <laughs> uh, thanks, uh, Steve. No, seriously, it's better. The Beatles suck. Springfield rules. That's you. That's a Stephen Q. Spears interview. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I don't know. It's that couch and your cat. I got cat scratch fever. I got the fever. Hey, on behalf of myself, Rick Springfield, Sean Daly, and Nick the Cat, we remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and TampaBay.com. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for the music for the opening credits. 
Read our blog at tampabay.com slash blogs slash 80s. And don't forget to subscribe to the show at iTunes. If you want to send a letter to us, all you have to do it. <laughs>